that opening. Welcome to another episode of Unstoppable Overcomers. I am your host tonight, uh, Dorothy O'Dell, and tonight's sponsors for the show are Dr. Joseph DeTore with his book, Secrets in Depth. It is a factual thriller that shows the depths of darkness acquired after three years of, three decades, sorry, of service. You definitely want to get your copy today on either Amazon or Barnes & Noble. As well, we still have our Camaraderie Rescue Mission Summer Raffle. Purchase your t-shirt today and get uh, a chance, get your name in the raffle for a six-month Freedom Boat Club membership. If you're not in the Winter Haven area, don't worry. We have over 350 locations that can serve you, uh, that you can definitely use that up to four times within those six months. So definitely... Go to www.tcrmi.org backslash shop to purchase your tickets today. And yes, I said tickets. <laughs> Our uh, programs need funding, and so therefore we need your help. With that, though, I am going to bring to the stage uh, Mr. Dan Morrow. Welcome to the stage, Dan. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You're welcome. I just got to say a quick shout out here to our friend Melody from Massachusetts. Melody is one of our biggest fans here at Unstoppable Overcomers. Uh, she is the uh, shining light and our superstar for us here. So welcome. Nice. Uh, welcome back, Melody. Thanks for joining us. Uh, so Dan, tell the world a little bit about yourself. Well, I've uh, been married for uh, 30 years uh, to my wife. Uh, we just celebrated that in August. Uh, I got two kids. Uh, our daughter just turned 29. Our son turned 25 in February. Live in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, our kids are out of the house, and my wife and I joke all the time about we could move anywhere we want to in the United States. Where do we want to go? But ultimately, we just come back to Columbus. It's just like we just we just got to live here. So. Uh, it, but it's a great place to live, and I, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. So, yeah, we, we won't move. That's awesome. We were, um, we actually drove through Columbus, I think, or by Columbus. I don't know. Like I said, we, in the green room, we drove like <laughs> 2,682 miles in the last 10 days between everything that we've been doing. So vacation and weddings and you name it. <laughs> we've been doing it. Oh, you're such a sweetheart, Melody. So yeah, Columbus is awesome. Um, how far is that from Canton? Uh, about an hour and a half, I want to say, maybe an hour or so. Okay, because like the that. Hall but, of yeah, Fame. An hour and a half, yeah. Yeah, we went to the Hall of Fame. Oh, that's on great. the way back. Oh man, I love that. It's ever since I was a kid, I love football, and I was that's always been one of my favorite places to go was uh, football Hall of Fame. I love it. It's beautiful. Wow, my husband is a football freak and fanatic. I like football too. Um, that nice. doesn't mean that you know. He's lucky because he has a wife that's willing to sit there and watch it. Uh, and so when he said that, he doesn't ask for a lot. So we, we made it happen. And, you know, they get you as soon as you walk in. Let's take your picture. And right, then, you right. know, 
one pitcher leads to fifty dollars before we exactly. leave. <laughs> There's always a catch like that. Yeah, exactly. But we have these cool tickets that look like we've been like we're our own rock stars and our own NFL yeah. players. So we have that. That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> but yeah, highly recommended. If you haven't gone, go to the Hall of Fame. It's definitely Absolutely. worth it if you're a sports if you're a sports freak. Uh, <laughs> so we're here tonight though uh, to talk about you. Uh, and so you're an author, Dan, mm -hmm. is, is the nuts and bolts of it. I know you know that, but the rest of the world doesn't know it just yet. Uh, so tell us about your book that you have that you've had out for the, the last little while here. Yeah, it's called A Heartbeat in Danger. And um, the story revolves around uh, the main character. Her name is Stacy Kent. And um, she's in love with her, her boyfriend and uh she's got plans you know to follow him to college and they're going to have this idyllic marriage and idyllic life in the future and everything is mapped out for her well as things happen life intervenes and the boyfriend goes out of the picture her parents have been divorced for a while of course and she doesn't get along with her mom she doesn't see her dad very often and she discovers that she's pregnant and she's faced with this conundrum of, you know, I've got all these plans and I've got everything mapped out for me and I'm ready to go with my life. I'm ready to get that started. But now all of a sudden, what do I do with this? And she can't handle it. So she does make an attempt to, um, I guess, circumvent that is a good way to put it. And in this dream state that she's in, and she's, she ends up in a coma, she's in a dream state. She's taken forward in time with someone I call the being. and it's a snapshot of what her child's life may or may not become. And uh, it's like each, each chapter is a different story because there's different scenarios. One scene, she's a doctor, one she's in a, in a prison, one she's homeless, one she's a lawyer. So there's all these different scenarios that could happen. So uh, it's, it, it was a lot of fun to write. I'll be honest with you. It was a lot of fun, but it was very challenging. Very, yes. very challenging. Right. And I, you know, so I did read the book. It was an amazing book and I highly recommend getting your hands on it. Now, where can people get it? Is it Amazon or? Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, Amazon, uh, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million. Uh, you can find it on iTunes and you can get it on Kindle as well. Um, so yeah, check it out, please. Please, I encourage you. Definitely. So the name of the book was Heartbeat in Danger, right? Yeah, A Heartbeat in Danger. Correct. I'm just typing that into um, into okay. the comments here. Uh, but definitely, folks, seriously, you need to get your hands on this. Um, uh, it, it is one of those books that I, I like I couldn't put it down. And um, and I was, it's just really, you know, does she do it or does she not do it? And I, it was just one of those things. Um, that well, I'm not going to give the ending away because you need to go buy it. <laughs> so don't but, you give it away either. So no, no, no. Uh, you, you definitely it's one of those controversial things. It's just like a lot of people won't talk about politics. They won't talk about faith and they won't talk about sex, drugs and rock and roll, I guess, basically, right. is right. what people won't talk about. But um, I, I love that you when you said when you came up with it, you and I had talked. We were in an author's group mm -hmm. together. And you had, um, if I'm remembering correctly, please, I mean, it's been months since we originally talked, but uh, it was definitely one of those things where like, I mean, now's your time to get this out because this is exactly um, being a Christian yourself, you know, um, and those 
things that we're supposed to shy away from the taboo topics of, of, you know, well, you know, if you're not in church every Sunday and you, you know, you're cursing, you swear, you're not going to heaven. Right. right? right. And so it's just one of those things that I found very endearing with you when we were talking was just like, you're a Christian, but yet you want people to think outside of the box of Christianity. Right. And, um, you know, and it's funny because when I moved from Chatham to Windsor and my husband and I went to another church, it was different than what I was used to. And people Mm -hmm. had this like so far out there ideas on what Christianity really was. I was just like, I ended up having to not continue going to that church only for the fact of um, there were some things that I was strongly against. And I'm just like, so I found a different one. Um, But it was more like the fact that if, if in the church, if you were gay, but in a committed relationship, that was okay. You could still be live together. But if you were in a, a straight relationship and um, you, you, it was frowned upon to live with that person. And mm. I was just like, how can that be? Like, how can, <laughs> I don't get the right. oxymoron of that. And I still don't to this day. Right. And, uh, anyways, I guess that's not for me to know the side of heaven, but I like how you had described when we were talking that you'd like to have these conversations about your faith and open people's minds. So let's, let's talk about that a little bit. You know, it's, I came to, uh, well, let me back up a step or two. I grew up in church my entire life. Uh, so I'm very familiar with, you know, what's expected. And like you said, the, the, the structure, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. And like you said, the rules of, you know, if you swear, if you do this, if you drink alcohol, all these little rules that we like to play and, you know, put in place. And I've got very familiar with that. And it, and it became a mindset. And I'm like, okay, as long as I'm doing this and this and this, I'm good. If I do that, and that, and that, I'm bad. So I got to stay on this side of good and, and I'm, I'm okay. Well, there were circumstances that happened in my life that obliterated everything I thought I knew about faith, about friends, about family, about love, romance, whatever, about relationships in general. And um, at the time, I said it was the worst thing that could have ever happened to me. However, I look back on that now, this has been 30 some years ago, as the best thing that could have ever happened to me because it completely devastated everything I thought I knew about it because I realized then I'm borrowing faith from something else and it's not mine. And everything I've relearned from that point till now about faith has been more meaningful and more passionate to me than anything before. So I'm glad that God took me through that circumstance to get me to a point to realize that there's a lot more to this. You know, you don't just pray a prayer and you're good. That's it. That's all you need to do. And you're, and you're finished. He tells us to ask, seek and knock. That means there's more to, to find out, you know? And I think that God buries these nuggets of gold in the most obscure places. Like with this book, for instance, I address a very specific um, uh, circumstance and I, I struggled with that. I really did the one section and I'm not going to tell you what it is because you got to find out for yourself, but I struggled with it because I'm like, okay, this is one of the, the main points that people point to as, well, this is why you have to get the abortion or this is why, you know, what about this circumstance? They always trot this out. And I got to thinking, I'm like, okay, how can I view that and not tell you what to believe and not tell you what to think about this whole subject? And I got to thinking about it is, again, if you look around the world right now, you can find negativity 
anywhere you go. Turn on your television, turn on your computer, where it's negative everywhere. Yeah. But if you dig for the gold, if you dig for good, and you believe it's out there, you're going to find it. Something beautiful can be found in spite of all of that. And that's exactly the way I view this topic is that something bad can happen, but you got to look for the good. What's what's the positive here? Where's the good thing that comes out of it? What's beautiful about it? Because it's there. You just got to look for it. Absolutely. You know, that's there's it's when you were talking, there's two circumstances that came up in my mind. Uh, first of all, we'll go to Melody's comedy comment here first. She goes, agree wholeheartedly with you, Dan. Faith is deeper than people see. There's a light in everything. Um, absolutely. Even in my darkest, mm -hmm. darkest moments. And one of them was a year ago, last Wednesday. Oh, wow. Watching my dad die and being in a coma and coming out of it and everything That's like so that. And thank you. Um, and knowing, like you're seeing this, you're seeing yeah. the best man that you've ever known next to your husband going through the most, the worst thing in the world. Mm -hmm. But I always said, to, I said to my mom, even in those moments, there's got to be something good that comes out of this. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it is at this moment, <laughs> but I can assure you something good's going to come out of this. Right. And I, I right. said to her, you know, we're going through this so that we can help other people, mm -hmm. you know, exactly. um, you know, and that was one of the things. And I stuck with that, even in everything that we were going through. And it, the only time my dad and I really had a heated discussion was when there was and I, you'll have to forgive me because there's been so much that's happened. I don't know exactly what year it was, but there was this, yeah. this little girl that was uh, raped and she ended up getting pregnant and she was, I, mm. I think 10 years old, 10 or 11 years old. And it was in the court system that um, her, somebody didn't want her to have an abortion. She wanted to have one. And because they waited so long for to come to a decision by the time the court had ruled that she would be okay to have the abortion it was too late she had ended up having to give natural childbirth to mm. this baby and so at the time my mindset was well just give it up for adoption i mean great granted you know it sucks no matter what age but especially you know somebody so young but i thought you know she can always give it away and my dad says so you're you're going to allow this girl that has been brutally raped give birth to a child when they could just get rid of it and him and i struggled with that back and forth and i never made him wrong for his choice he was mad at me for making for me making my <laughs> mine but i just like right, okay right. I, I can agree to disagree with you and, um, you know, and to me, it's any, it's, it's up to that person. Do I think it's murder? Probably. But does that mean that there's other things out there that people have done to, to murder their children? You know, it's, it's, just, I don't know. I am, I'm, I'm not, I'm not on the debate side. Uh, would I do it? I don't know. I don't know. I haven't been put in that situation. You know, if I, if I was that in that girl situation, I don't know how I would react. Um, but I would just pray and ask for God's guidance through it all. That's all I can say. <laughs> but yeah, those are the only two times. Like that was the only time I can remember. getting. I apologize. You're kind of cutting up on me right now. I'm not sure what's happening. So. Oh, 
Are you back? Yeah, you were kind of in and out. There we go. You back now? Sorry, folks, we're having some difficulties. Hey, James, thank you. What's up with you, James? <laughs> All right. Are you back, Dan? Yeah, you mentioned... Uh, right. Right. Yeah. Right. Light. <laughs> yeah, I'm still here. Yeah. All right. Well, Dan, I'm sure we'll be back. Uh, technical difficulties for sure. And this is one of those subjects that no one wants to talk about. Um, but that's okay. Um, that's what we do here on this show. Uh, we have those conversations. Let me there. Oops. No, hold on. There we, are. There we go. There we I got are. you back. <laughs> okay. No, you mentioned you mentioned debate, and that's you know that's what uh, that's kind of what the book touches on is is that uh, it's kind of unique because the, the it came from a real life conversation. The book was born from that conversation I had with um, uh, someone who I've known since she was eight years old, and she's my daughter's best friend. She's she's become part of our family, and um, you know she was pregnant and she was going through all of the the emotions that you can imagine, you know, um, my life is over, it's ruined, I don't know what I'm going to do, I don't have any support, how do I handle this, am I going to be a good mom, whatever. And in that moment, I realized, okay, you know, I can't sit here and, and spout off all the Bible verses that I know to her, because that's not going to help. And I can't sit here and bully her into saying, well, no, you got to go to this clinic and get this done. Neither one of those was going to work in that moment. She had, she needed me to be in that moment with her. And just feel that pain that she was feeling. And I multiplied that conversation by how many thousands of other women are out there that are feeling the same way. And all we've heard for 50 years is a shouting back and forth of yes, no, yes, no. I understand the intent behind it. I understand the passion that goes into that. I, and I, I, I get it, but it comes out wrong, in my opinion. This is just me. It comes out wrong. Mm -hmm. And it hasn't changed anything. Quite honestly, for 50 years, that's all we've heard. We've come to expect it. And my thinking is in, in writing this book was if you shut out the noise and just close that off, you get some people you trust and you get in a room and you ask some difficult questions, you ask some hard, hard questions, you're going to figure this out. And one way or the other, you're going to find out what, what's real and what's not. Now, I had, to, I had to come at her and say, you know, no matter what happens here, I love you. I, I, I'm going to love you regardless of your, what you, what you do, you know, you're, you're part of my family now. And I think that's one of the hardest things that any Christian can do is to tell someone that they may potentially do something that you completely disagree with, but you still love them. And that's hard to do. And it's hard for me to do. I, I would tell my kids all the time, no matter where you go, what you've done, what you say, where you've been, I love you because that's how God loves us. And I knew it was more challenged to me than it was for them because I had to back that up. And they tested me on that, trust me. So, <laughs> but but it's that it's that situation of being a Christian, you know, because we have the truth, we know everything. Mm -hmm. And that's how we come across a lot of times. Right. And and I get that. Again, I I've I've seen it. Mm -hmm. But the reality is you have to love that person. You've got to love people no matter what, no matter how they come across to you. And that is so difficult to do. 
it, it's just so hard. But that, that's that's what it drove me to. I love that you said that because I have, without disclosing who it is, I have a friend that's going through something with one of her children. And I, what it all boils down to is sometimes kids can be little shits no matter what. Let's just face yeah. it. And sometimes we love our children, but sometimes we don't like our children because of some of the things that they do. And what it, boils, what it boils down to, though, is just having love and compassion in the moment with your children, yeah. understanding, and like you said, giving unconditional love to them no matter what. And, um, you know, I don't always agree with everything that my parents or my nephews have done. I don't even agree with everything that I've done. <laughs> that doesn't mean that I don't have faith, love and compassion for them and myself. Right. Um, but like you said, that it, it all boils down to, I'm going to go to the comments and we're having a little bit of controversy here in the comments, but that's okay. That's what we, this is the first time I put, I allowed myself to go in. I knew what this would bring up and this is the first time first show that mm -hmm. I've allowed this to happen. I knew that it could potentially get there. Mm -hmm. uh, James says, what it boils down to is what's best for the child. I understand. Uh, Melody, it could be a can remove judgment and just saw the vulnerability of the situation. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And she's in the process of writing a lengthy article about the subject. And Jane says, I cannot face myself or put my girlfriend or wife through that hell. And sometimes it's not even your decision. I know somebody that their girlfriend got pregnant, didn't tell them, went and had an abortion without him knowing, and was basically told on her way to the hospital, I'm going to go have this abortion, whether you want the child or not. And he was basically went with her but cried the whole entire time as his baby was aborted. Mm -hmm. So sometimes James, it's not really the husband's decision, some or the boyfriend's decision. Sometimes people just do what they got to do. Well, and that's, you know, the funny thing is, is, is when I wrote this book, I knew what the last line of the book was going to be. It was rock solid set in stone. <laughs> And I had to work backwards from that line to the very beginning. And I thought of a couple of different ways I could go with this. Now, here's the funny thing about it. I, I'm, a, I'm a Christian. I believe in Christ. I've, I've been saved for a long, long time. But I don't push that on people. I don't expect you to believe like I do. I don't expect you to, to live up to my standards. We're all getting through this together. You know what I mean? And what, what I guess kind of allayed a lot of my concerns was that we're called to be witnesses. And I thought, okay, what does a witness do in a trial? You're not the judge, you're not the defense attorney, you're not the jury. You're not passing judgment. All you're doing is you're standing up there and saying, hey, this is what I know. This is all yeah. I know. That's it. Now, it's up to you to decide, do you believe me or not? I'm not forcing the issue. I'm not defending you. I'm not prosecuting you. I'm not passing judgment or anything. This is what I know. That's it. Mm -hmm. And I think in a subject like this, where we come into with some preconceived ideas and preconceived notions about it, that it becomes very dangerous. And that's where that spark ignites into that, that uproar. Now, here's the thing. I want to give a, a couple examples. Um, there was a guy that, uh, uh, who said, Hey, you know what? I'll review your book for you. So, all right. So I sent him a copy and he messages me back. He says, Hey, I'm about 40 pages in, is this an anti-abortion book? And I'm like, 
hold on. You're not even at the good stuff yet. You're not even at the really, really good stuff yet. You know, I said, give it a little more time. Just push forward. I don't tell you what to believe. I don't, I don't push an agenda here. And I don't No. I said, just give it a little more time. He's like, okay. So a few days after that, he's like, nope, can't do it. Forget it. He was very set in his ways of being, you know, pro-abortion all that. Very set in that. Okay. No, I don't want to do it. Forget it. So I'm like, okay, I upset this guy. I'm like, that's what the book is supposed to do. Now, I had another gentleman who is a Christian and he bought a copy for himself and his daughter and they were going to read it together. And after a while, I, I texted him and said, hey, you know, what do you think? And he calls me up and says, hey, you know, um, I don't think you needed that one scene in the book. And again, I'm not going to tell you what it is. You got to find out for yourself. And uh, he goes, I don't think you needed that scene. It was very uncomfortable. I said, I'm thinking, OK, so I made this person upset, too. But that's the intent is get out of your mindset, get out of that agenda, that rhetoric that you know, and just look at it objectively. That's what this book tries to do is look at things objectively. I don't tell you anything. I'm not pushing an agenda with this book whatsoever. It's mm -hmm. simply saying, here's what this girl goes through. She sees her daughter in these different scenarios. And there's that tension of, if I have the child, it's going to ruin my life. I've got plans. I've got things I want to do. But then she sees her daughter in distress and celebrate, you know, big successful things. Mm -hmm. And she wants to both celebrate with her and comfort her. But she's got that tension of the other side going, but no, this. So again, I don't tell you what to believe on this. And I'm not pushing an agenda with this book. I can't stress that enough. But, uh, um, but it just emphasizes that whole aspect of there's a lot more to this than just saying yes or no. There's a lot more involved. Right. And I love that you said that. And I, and, and you're right. Um, disclaimer, when you're reading the book, guys, Dan doesn't force his opinion on you at all in this matter. Um, but I think, you know, as humans, not alone just being Christian, but as humans, if we would give other people that same compassion, could you imagine how the world would be? Yeah. <laughs> you Seriously. know, right. uh, and, Melody says she definitely needs to read this book. So again, it was a heartbeat and danger on Amazon. You. Get your copy now. Go right now to Amazon. <laughs> type in a heartbeat and danger by Dan Morrow and get your copy right now. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that, Melody. Uh, so yeah. Um, yeah. Just, I think what it all, I don't even think you have to be a Christian to, uh, to just appreciate other people can have a different perspective. Mm -hmm. I mean, as a Christian though, I get it. You know, we're, we're taught that, you know, th this is how we're supposed to be and um, to love thy neighbor as you would love, love yourself or whatever the scripture mm -hmm. is. Right, right, uh, right. Uh, it's been a while <laughs> since I've read my Bible. Yes. <laughs> um, so it, you know, if I think it, what it boils down to is if we were just decent human beings just being um, real with each other and just allowing each other to have different views without judgment or without making anybody wrong about it. I think that's what, what right. we should do. I mean, there's an element of shame. It's always going to be involved in some things that we do wrong. I mean, there's always going to be that element. And I think sometimes that's kind of a healthy thing. I, I mean, I, I, that sounds really, I guess, controversial to say that shame can be you know, healthy in a way. But I think what it should do is it should remind us that okay hey wait a second if i don't like this feeling of shame and guilt because of what i did i don't want to do that anymore so i'm going to try to go the other way and i'm going to try to to avoid feeling that way again 
And so in that way, the shame can be good. And, and again, it goes back to there's one scene in the book and I struggled with this. Dorothy, I struggled so hard that I want to keep this in the story, that I want to you know, leave it there. And again, I, I, I can't tell you because you got to read it. But I struggled so hard. Do, do I want to keep it in completely? Do I want to reword it? Do I want to soften it? And I, I worked it and worked it and worked it. And what I came to the conclusion of is, is that regardless of the negativity and the, and the, and the, the bad things that can happen, what's beautiful? What is beautiful about it? And in this case, she's looking at her, her potential child. If, if she decides this, she's looking at her child go through all of these things, you know, and how can she, you know, allow her to do this? How can she allow her to be homeless or in prison? How, how could she let that, that happen? You know? And, but again, she's she's wanted to celebrate the success of hey, look at this. She's a she's a lawyer. She's a senator. Oh my God. And she wants to celebrate those things with her, you know? Mm-hmm. And so this, there's this back and forth. And it's that tension all throughout the book that that is just it permeates everything there. And it challenges me. Uh, I've gone back, read it, read it, read it, you know, proofread and stuff like that. And it challenges me and it disturbs me. And I wrote the book. And mm-hmm. um and, and there's some places I still look at it and go, ouch, that hurts, you know? So, um, so yeah, it, it, it was just one of those things that I felt very compelled to, to write it. I think, you know, especially now with, you know, Roe v. Wade being overturned and sent back to the States, I think that it's one of those subjects that we need something different. We, we, we have to look at this, some, you know, in a different perspective. We can't, like I said, for 50 years, we've heard screaming. That's all we know. And somebody says something controversial, Okay, here comes a shouting match again. That's all. That's, that, we, we shrug our shoulders and say whatever. I just think it's time to look at something different. I just think it's a there's a there needs to be a different approach. Absolutely, one hundred percent agree with you. And there was another when you said "ouch" moment in your book where, um, you know, the being. What did you call it? The being. The being. Uh, the being. The when being. the being. Yes. So when the daughter sees like how her how the girl sees that her daughter could be but Mm -hmm. yet she realized like you said her relationship with her parents are really not great and the being makes her realize well wait a minute it's not all your parents fault that that relationship is is uh strained um and that's all i'm going to say on that and you had me go ouch because there's been moments in my relationship with my parents Mm -hmm. that um were like you know i probably could have handled that a little bit better um you know so i like how you not only handled that with the situation of um you know how her daughter could be if she allows the daughter to Mm -hmm. to uh, be here but also with her parents because we have to you know this is my biggest argument. And I, this is what I've realized after 46 years, my parents did the best that they knew with what they Absolutely. had. Absolutely. You know, and if you look back now, I love, 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 love my grandparents as well. They're all gone. Well, except for one, but my dad's, my dad had a rough childhood. He was the oldest of five. Mm. My, he was thrown through the door and the door broke and he was made, made to replace the door at his cost because oh it was, because if he would not have done what he did, then my grandfather wouldn't have done that. However, 
that was setting an example. You're the oldest of five. You set the example. You didn't do what you're supposed to do. So mm -hmm. you paid the consequences. I seen a whole different side of my grandfather. That's not the grandfather I knew. Mm -hmm. Let's just put it that way, right? <laughs> um, so when my dad tells me these stories, we never... So my brother and I were never thrown through a door and be made to pay for it. That mm -hmm. doesn't mean we didn't get smacked when we deserved it. Oh, my yeah. brother, my brother, more so than I. My, <laughs> I was the good one. I was the good one. My brother was like a terrible shit. But anyways, that's just the point. Um, so if I look back, like my dad tried <laughs> to be better than his dad, and if you look at my grandfather, my grandfather was given away. Mm. My great great my great grandparents were 16 years old when they conceived my grandfather. They wow. were too young to keep him. So shipped him off to their aunt's house right. until my grandfather was 13 years old and old enough to go work in the grocery in the store that they had. Oh yeah, Don, you're old enough to work in the store. You we want you back in our mm -hmm. house now. How do you think that made my grandfather feel considering the year after he was given up, they gave birth mm -hmm. to another girl and kept her? Yeah. It's, I mean, it messes with you psychologically. It really does. And I'm glad you kind of touched on that, that you had some problems with the parents and so forth and back and forth because growing up, I'm the next youngest of five kids and um, growing up, I never saw my dad. I, I would wake up and get ready for school. He was gone. I would come home from school. He was still gone and he might show up seven o'clock, 7.30 at night. And then 15 minutes, he'd sit there and just sleep on the couch. Growing up, I hated my father for that. I really, and I, I feel ashamed to say that, but I hated him for that because I never got to experience a lot of the other things that, you know, kids do, you know, father, son time, that kind of thing. And he, 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 he did his best to, to, to do this and, and to spend time with us, but it just wasn't, you know, he just was so tired. And for the longest time I carried that grudge. And then at some point in my twenties, I realized, hold on, he's the only person working to support six other people. To, to, so I can live the life that I wanna live and go do the things I wanna go do. Mm -hmm. He's responsible for that. It completely flipped the script. Now the coolest thing was, is that um, my dad loves baseball. And he played the game when he was in high school and never been to a major league game. And there were some guys from my church that were going down to a Reds game. So I'm like, I got to take my father. I got to. So it sounds weird that I got to take my father to his very first major league game, you know. <laughs> but on the ride home, he starts with, you know, Dan, he says, you know, look, I, I am so sorry that that I never spent time with you. I'm so sorry that I was never there. I said, hold on, Dad. I said, wait a minute. And I explained that to him. You know, I said, I hated you when I was growing up. But, you know, and I got to a point where we reconciled that. And I told him, Dad, once I realized that, once I realized what you were doing for me, I said, I'm good with you now. I said, I love you and I respect you. Um, and ironically, he passed away about a year or so ago, a little over a year. So and you were also talking earlier about, you know, um, you know, the, the things that, you know, my, my brother and I stood in the, um, the funeral home and looking at our father. And on, on one hand, we were sad because he's not there anymore. You know, he's not there. We can hug and, and say, look, Dad, we're proud of you. We love you. But on the other hand, we're sitting there looking at each other going, can you imagine what he sees right now? He's in heaven. Can you imagine what he's experiencing right now? Mm -hmm. And we're like, you can't help it. You, you can't be sad that he's seeing this, you know? 
And it, it kind of changed everything there again, where, and he was a man, I'll tell you what, he was silent. He was quiet. He didn't say a lot, but when he spoke, he had a lot of meaning behind his words and it's important. And he was a guy that, that shared his faith, but again, he never pushed it on people, never expected them and demanded them to believe like he did. He just simply said, here's where I'm coming from. That's who I am. And I think from that example, that's what I, that's what I started to aspire towards is, you know, yeah, I'm a Christian. I know certain things, but I still got to work out my salvation and fear and trembling before the Lord. I got to do that. And in the end, it's just going to be him and I standing there going, hey, let's look at your life. Let's let's look at what you did. Let's, why should I let you into heaven? That kind of thing. And it's just going to be him. Nobody else can speak for me. Nobody else is going to step up. I can't step up for somebody else. It's just going to be him and I. So I think there's an element of, you know, like you said earlier, love your neighbor as yourself. But I think we forget the as yourself, because if you don't take care of yourself, you don't really know how to love other people, you know? So it's the tension of, of, you know, I got to love myself and I got to take care of me, but I got to love other people at the same time. And that's, that's a hard thing to do too. So it, it's a struggle for all of us. It really is. <laughs> so that's the mess that I come from so much in what you just said there because i i seriously there have been yeah this last year i have poured more into myself well the last 15 years i've poured more into myself to try and get me to a place where i'm okay with me right mm -hmm. where before you know growing growing up with having low self-esteem and being bullied and all that you know i had an element it's like, well, why would I love me? Like, no one loves me is right. basically the story right. I was telling myself, right? And I just got it now when you said that. Because I'm not the one that said it. Love yourself. Love, as your, like, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Mm. And I was like, well, if that's the case, some days you all you wouldn't want to be my neighbor. <laughs> right, right. Right? It's, 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 it's the hardest thing to do. And, it's, and that's kind of the way I view, you know, Christianity is that, you know, like I said earlier, is that, you know, we, we, we get saved and we say the prayer, we go to these churches, we hear these sermons, and it reinforces the fact that, hey, you know what, you know, we, we know the truth. We, we, we know everything. We, we've got it all right here. We hold it in our hands. It's the Bible. And there's a lot to be said for that. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to you know, bash it and say it's wrong or anything like that. There's a lot to be said for that. Yeah, you do know the truth. But at the same time, the people that don't know what you know, how were they going to perceive that by looking at you and me, especially me? Um, how are they going to see that? Are they going to see something that's good? Are they going to see somebody that forgives? Are they going to see somebody that loves you no matter what? Are they going to see somebody who's kind? Are they going to see somebody who sets up boundaries? And what are they going to perceive from you? And um, that's a lot to live up to. And I, I got to admit, I, I fail on that more times than, than I care to mention. It's embarrassing, but I do. But uh, it's something to aspire toward. And well, Dan, I have to admit, there's been some days I look at myself, like when I'm really in my theoretical stage in my life where I'm like, oh, you know, if if I if I'm saying I want to live my life this way and I want yeah. to be the next Oprah Winfrey, how does that look? How do I how does my actions really uh, dictate that. Right. And right. there's some days I'm like, I cringe. I'm like, Oh my God. Especially if you happen to see me on the day that some idiot decided to cut in front of me on the expressway <laughs> to work. Like, and I, you know, 
if it's been one of those moments, you definitely don't want to see me at that moment. Exactly. But yeah. I'm just like, ouch, you know, like that's a self checkup right there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and it shouldn't matter if there was somebody that decided to zoom in front of you and, and right. uh, cut right. you off on the expressway. We shouldn't be acting like that. However, we are, this, there's this thing called human mm -hmm. and, uh, which, or, uh, how how does Kimberly say that a spiritual being with a human moment? I think is was what Kimberly says. I like that. I yeah, like that. yeah. Kimberly says that all the time. She checks me all the time, and so it's it's one of those things where, yeah, I, and I'm like, how am I? How am I with like with? I always. I, I try and give myself a check. Like, how am I being with my husband mm -hmm. too? Because you know he's my number one guy. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. So if I, if I'm not treating him right, then, you know, I really have to check my checks and balance myself here. And I'm like, Oh, well, I have been, I have been passing the test a lot more lately than I would have before. <laughs> I, I've, uh, that's fantastic. That's great. That's great. I mean, it's I have my own scoreboard. <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny. Cause you know, we, we were talking, uh, you know, all about you know how faith intertwines with our lives and, and how we should allow it to permeate, especially for Christians, and how we should try to, you know, again, aspire to be holy as he is holy and to model the lifestyle of Jesus, but it's not easy for us to do. But um, it's one of those situations where, you know, you try to integrate faith into real life and you realize that, okay, yeah, we have the hope of heaven. Yes, we have the hope of, you know, the final eternity that we know where we're going to be. But we're here now. And right now is not easy. And how does that hope intervene in these situations where we see things that make us angry? You know, situations like abortion, situations like unwanted pregnancy or estranged relationships. How does that faith really react in those situations? And overall, as an author, that's what I want to try to be is someone who just challenges things. You know, I, I exposed myself to a lot of different denominational practices uh, when I was younger. And just because, I mean, I love I love the concept of church. I, I know that's probably an outmoded thing to say, but I love the idea of church that, you know, you gather together, you, you build each other up. It's a hospital. You go there admitting every week that, man, I've been beat up. I am hurting. I'm in pain. In fact, yesterday, I went to church yesterday. My heart was so heavy with a lot of things that I've done to myself that I'm not proud of. And I was just so heavy. I wasn't myself yesterday, you know? And it picked me up just to be there around these other people that said, you know what, we understand. And I think that's what's lost on, on the, the overall view of what church is supposed to be. And But when you put faith in the real life situations, what does that look like? And that's exactly the way I try to think whenever I'm writing. This isn't the only book I've written. I, I wrote one other book before and I've had it published, but I've got a lot of ideas, a lot of other things, books that are in various stages of completion, ideas that I haven't even touched yet. But all of them are kind of encompassing this idea of what does it look like if, if faith and fear walk beside each other? What, what does that look like? You know, how does, how does that handle? I still don't have a grip on it, but I'm fascinated by that concept. I, I love all of that. And I just got to go to Melanie's comment here. She said, I never understood that I, that until I learned to love me, I always thought I loved others, but didn't have to love myself. And that right. my sister is 100% nailed the head Absolutely. because I can treat anybody like a queen or a king, but mm -hmm. that doesn't mean I always treat myself that way. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And that's the hardest thing to do. And I, I, you know, I, I deal with a lot of things, you know, personally as well. And, um, there's been some dark days for me too, just recently and, uh, self-inflicted, you know, self-inflicted, I'll be honest. But, um, but again, it's that, it's that faith that, you know, okay, I, I got to find something. I got to, I got so something has to give here. God has to lead me somewhere because I'm blind and I don't know what I'm doing. So it's, it's that you, you don't know until you have faith to lean on that, that that's what you really need. I guess if that makes sense, if all you have is faith, that's all you need, I guess is what you can say. Mm-hmm. So, um, but anyway, yeah, it, uh, it's it's just a very complicated thing. It's, it's not as easy, like I said earlier, as saying, you know, I've prayed the prayer, I'm saved, I know the truth, I can, you know, you know, dictate to you and all that kind of stuff. I've had people that are smug like that. I had somebody sit me down one time. He's like, you know, well, Dan, I see your life kind of going like this and this and this and this. And he started to school me on, you know, how to be, you know, a Christian. And I looked at him as, you know, he's like, what you need is, you know, some some kind of some kind of structure here. I said, you mean like going to church? And he like just backed up, like, oh my gosh, uh, uh, uh. He's like, well, the reason I don't go to church, I had no clue, you know. So I've seen the other side of this, where you know people are smug to me that that they think that they know everything because they're going to church, they have they read the Bible, they're being taught by these people, and that's all well and good. Don't get me wrong, there's a lot to be said for that. That's a good thing to do. It's just when it gets to a point of saying, I'm better than you because of this, and I'm going to school you, you know, and I'm going to. I'm going to, you know, bring the hammer down on you. Uh, that's, yeah, that's, no. I, yeah, I, I get that. I get that. And not to say that every Christian is like that. Um, right, no, are, no, they're not, no. The, trust me, I've had my fair share where it's been like that, and I've had my fair share where it hasn't been like that. And <laughs> exactly. um, I, I don't know where, where you guys, but where I'm at, when COVID hit, all of our churches had to basically shut down. Yes. Um, and the one church that we had moved to it it was in the theater so Mm. we went from a regular like being in the regular church to a theater type thing and then when covid really hit there was like nothing you went online and so the church that we were attending uh, i'm not even sure if it's in existence anymore so it's funny you said that because i i felt the last week or so that i need to get back into and that fellowship Mm -hmm. with others so funny that i'm surrounded by churches where i live i could walk to like two or three of them (laughs) on sunday morning so that might be something that i'm gonna have to do (laughs) i'll tell you what it's the easiest thing in the world not to go to church i don't know Mm -hmm. why that is but it's an easy thing not to do and i'll tell you what uh, dorothy there's been a lot of times when i'll I'll wake up on sunday morning and i'm just literally thinking there is no way i want to go to church today none there's just no i'm not going to go for it and there's always this little voice that goes, hey, you know what? Maybe you should go. Maybe you mm-hmm. should be there. And nine times out of 10, when I force myself and listen to that voice, nine times out of 10, I get blessed and a half by being there because there's something there that I needed to hear. And there's something that that was applicable to me personally in the situation I was dealing with. So I always try to pay attention to that voice. And if it's there, I make myself. You know, I've, I've, I'll be honest, I've given in and said no, but <laughs> more often than not, I try to, I try to follow through, but uh, right. so I love that. All right. Well, it's coming to the second half of our show. 
Uh, so I'm going to bring Miss the lovely and amazing Kimberly up onto the screen. And there's Mr. Jerry. So hey. welcome. Oh, wow. So welcome, uh, Kimberly and Jerry, to the show. And I'm going to allow Kimberly to take over this part of the show. And so over to you, partner. Thank you. Thank you. What an amazing show tonight. And this, this could easily be a two-hour show. Um, <laughs> and there's just so many things, like, over here that I'm like, oh, my God. Uh, uh, and, and to be responsible, um, if we have time for that, that's great. And I just, uh, first and most, I acknowledge you for the work you're doing, um, that, you know, where you're being led, where, you're, where your song is, where your heart song is, and sing it. That, that, you know, from someone who can truly relate to your commitment to bringing healing and restorative love to dark places and can relate to it, keep up the phenomenal work. You're amazing. Absolutely amazing. So grateful to have you on the show. Um, with that, I'm going to introduce Jerry Mori. And Jerry is a professional um, musician and teacher, and extraordinaire, among many other things that he is phenomenal at. And Jerry, go ahead and share what you would like people to know about you tonight so we can direct them to you because Jerry is our sponsor tonight. So I'm here to talk about sex and drugs and rock and roll. <laughs> Perfect. You know, yeah. Taboo subjects are my forte. <laughs> so. I love that. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it was just a good riff off of what was said earlier. So anyway, yeah, I am a blues musician in Chicago and, um, yeah. And I, you know, yeah, COVID was a little rough, but so this summer I've been working as a lifeguard with the Chicago park district. So that's been pretty cool. And, um, you know, so. Jerry, yeah. tell him about um, what uh, offerings you have inside of being a musician. You, you can play out at different locations and you also teach and you offer lessons. Yes. I do offer lessons. Yeah. My lessons are all online right now. And so I offer lessons in, uh, in strings. So, you know, guitar, bass, ukulele. Uh, so for anybody that wants to play, um, you know, I can get you, I can get you, you know, with four chords, I can get you playing 70 songs and just rearranging those same four chords. I can have you play in another 200 songs. So you can go from playing ice cream changes to access, what I call access of awesome changes. And you can, you can basically get away with playing probably about 300 songs. And I, I can have you doing that in about two hours, you know, so two lessons. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I actually wrote a book too. It's about memorizing the, the guitar neck because as I started, when I first started learning uh, guitar, um, you know, one of the things I, I knew is to, you know, I got to know the instrument and it, it felt like, and I learned some basic patterns, you know, that, you know, we all like, we all learned, right. These same basic ideas and these same basic patterns. And then, um, I really didn't know how to start 
you know, being able to use them and, you know, just freely all over my instrument. And it wasn't until I read a, uh, it was a technical book, but it, but it was a really cool book in terms of like the conceptual ideas. And the first paragraph of the first chapter said, you know, there are three ways to approach the guitar horizontally, vertically, and a combination of the two. And if you leave out one, you're leaving out two thirds of your ability. Hmm. And, you know, I had learned vertically, I'd learned these vertical concepts and it, it just left me like, even after I studied guitar in college that I had left me with this, this vast feeling, this feeling of vast blankness of understanding mm -hmm. my instrument. And so I started to take on some of the, I created exercises and I ended up writing a book about it and, um, took on this made up exercises from that, from that little, that one paragraph of that book. And, you know, then I've taught that ever since. And uh, so I have a book on that. It's, I call it the, the uh, it's, it's, I can't remember even the name of the book. I'd published it a while ago. So, but it's, it's about, I call it the Unitar, the science of the Unitar. And uh, really being able to play up and down all your ideas on one string. Hmm. Amazing. And, yeah, what it starts to do is it, it changed. Like, like I said, I had this vast canyon of unknownness. <laughs> and then um, of like, there were parts of my instrument I just didn't know. But what it started to do is then it took it from being like this huge canyon to, oh, it was only about this big. And I, I it just everything just started to click as I started doing that. And then as I've been teaching that for almost 22 years, like I the students that take that on tend to you know they tend to just have a, a freedom and i found it gave me a freedom over the my instrument as well so because i had i just started understanding my knowledge with a with, with the what i'll call the the fundamental principles that were underlying for all musicians right and there was there was a thing that many string players start to understand their guitar a certain way and then, you know, the but the underlying language of music isn't there. But the underlying language of music is common to all musicians, you know. So that was what I was able to start teaching a lot of my students. And like and now there's there's a I have a couple that are professionals, you know, semi pros on their own in their own right. So, yes. Which is pretty and cool. where can Jerry, where can they get a copy of the book or um, sign up for lessons with you? Uh, Kungfuguitar.com. So kungfuguitar.com is my website. Ukulele as well, right? Yeah, so it's uh, guitar, bass, and ukulele. So I teach ukulele as well. So for anyone that's interested in that. And then, yes. um, yeah, and yeah, I, I haven't had a lot of performances this summer and that's i'm hoping to pick that up again this you know as we start going into the fall more and my uh situation start changing you know and, and picking up a little so so perfect yeah. all right perfect um and anybody who is even considering picking up a guitar highly 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 recommend jerry he is phenomenal 
So yeah, you... and I do have a kung. It's uh, kungfuguitar.com is uh i i also have a youtube channel so there's some there's some performances on that as well so on the youtube perfect jerry yeah. in 90 seconds or less share your fundamentals my fundamentals, three fundamentals. yes so okay so <laughs> uh, <laughs> so i was a little i was still a little confused on that as we were but um for me you know, obviously music is a uh, fundamental for me. And then swimming is another one. So I don't know that's for everyone, but for no, me, that candy. is a, yeah. So for me, it's a, that is, so swimming is what I, what I put in because it, it is a huge, um, it's a it's a solitude and it's a uh it, it's a it's so yeah one can you can think of it as actually swimming or like swimming through life or life is going swimmingly yeah. or whatever one wants yeah. to choose right yeah i love that, and then, love that. Uh, other thing i think is relationships and it's something mm. i struggle with because i'm i'm really it's really easy if relationships aren't working and it's like okay well get out of the boat <laughs> you're in this relationship boat and you don't want to be get Start get out whether you can swim or not better better show learning so, get the hell out of the boat <laughs> yeah so i'm i'm learning to become more patient with that and so that's that's so like and and i get how valuable they are and um but it hasn't always been an easy or patient thing for me. So, so that's definitely one I think is really fundamental. Uh, like, cause you, cause you, you're, you'd said about like what brings joy and fun and mm -hmm. ease in life. Mm -hmm. That was kind of yeah. like the fundamentals. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. relationships do that. And, and <laughs> it's, it's for that me, they're not always, Easy. Those those are brilliant, and we've not heard those before either. So those are that really is brilliant. spectacular. All right, oh, thank you. Back to you, guests. Our lead guests. What are your three fundamentals? For me, it's, it's it's God, family, and love, and I think it's intertwined. Where if uh, I was, I always heard or somebody put it this way that if you want to understand vertical relationships or no horizontal relationships, look at the vertical relationship. If you want to understand the vertical relationship look at the horizontal. And I'll tell you what, that has helped me so many ways to try to figure out what in the world is God saying in his word? What, what is this Bible verse about? And then I look at, okay, how does it apply to, if I was like talking to a person, somebody, a friend, my wife, whoever, um, how does that apply? And, or what would I expect out of this? And, and it does work that way. But I think the three are intrinsically related that, you know, God is our father. God is, God is my father. And I've, I've been adopted into his family. And as a result of that, we are a family. And, you know, my family that I'm responsible for, my wife, my kids. And then as a result of that, the love that comes out of that is, um, you know, it should be evident. And it's just like one flows through another. So uh, I, think it, I think those three are, are, are pretty basic for everything else. Those, 
Those are really beautiful. And I love how you reference the horizontal and the vertical and how that ties in with what Jerry was sharing about, yes, you know, yes. who knew playing the guitar, there's actually three different ways to play it. Right. And I'm really present mm -hmm. to the Trinity of that. Right. As well. Um, and then also like what that opens up. So right. you guys, right. as always, our guests are so amazing. I'm so blessed and honored to um, run this part of the show and, Thank you all, Dorothy. Thank back you. to you. Wow, I'm just—I was looking up your your. Um, I was on my phone, Jerry, because I was looking up to make sure I spelled that right. I, I didn't want to misspell it, so that I did. I do have your uh, kungfuguitar.com in the show notes. So, and thank, thank you. you. You guys were both amazing, and I and I love Jerry. I have to say, being in a relationship is you're swimming the entire time my friend because you're either treading it you're sinking or, or you're or floating day, you can be floating doing the backstroke yep. yes in the yeah. good day you're doing yeah. a backstroke so my friend i'm right there with you relationships are, don't come natural for me either. So I get it. Um, and it's, to me, it's a, a lesson in patience daily, <laughs> depending on who I'm even with in, the, in that relationship, whether it be my husband, my the rest of my family, friends, coworkers, you name it. I, I, I see you. I hear you. <laughs> so thank you. You are <laughs> <laughs> the female version of you. <laughs> uh, anyway, so both, both of you, I just want to thank you so much much uh, for being here tonight and i want to thank our guests um you know that showed up in the comments uh thank you so much for for your words melody and james and the rest of you that didn't comment but were watching because i know there's more of you uh so thank you um and just be unstoppable in all that you do and see you same time same channel next week so with that everybody have a great evening god bless all of you and we'll see you same time, same channel next week. Bye for now.